Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning. Morning. Thank you so much, Ben. Really appreciate that. These guys are fantastic. So I'm going to start with a story this morning. When I was seven years old, I started going to church with my two brothers and my dad. At this point, my parents had been separated about a year and a half uh, that was kind of what was happening in my life at that time. Obviously, at that age, it was, a, it was a pretty big deal. By the age of eight, something had changed. My parents were actually reunited. They got back together. And obviously, at the time, as an eight-year-old boy, I was really happy about this. But at the time, I also had no clue how rare that that was and how fortunate that I was. Also, what happened at the age of eight is we started going to church as a family. And and at first, I don't know, as an eight-year-old, church wasn't my favorite place to go. It just wasn't my favorite place to go. I I remember my parents, they were like going all in right away, right? So they signed us up for Crusaders. How many people have heard of that? It's kind of like a a few people. It's kind of like a Christian Scouts type thing. And I just remember you had to wear a stuffy uniform. And I remember it was on Wednesday nights. Why do I remember Wednesday nights? Because, and I feel too young to say this, but back then, hockey games were on two nights a week. They were on Saturday night and they were on Wednesday night. And I was a sports fanatic and going to church and going to Crusaders meant that I missed hockey. And so me and church didn't get off on a really good foot. As a family, we tried going to different churches. We went to a few different ones and we finally came to Selwyn Church. And at the time, I still didn't really like it. I found it kind of boring. And I knew how to like smile to the right people and say the right things and act the right way. And I knew how to be polite for the most part. But the thing is, I didn't feel like I needed church. You know, because at the time, I had lots of friends at school. I had a ton of friends at school. I didn't need the kids at church. They were just kind of annoying. And I got to know a few of them a little bit, but I It wasn't even on a friendship level. It was acquaintances when I was that young. I remember I wanted to get out of this church thing so badly that I remember, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember twisting something that my Sunday school teacher told us to tell my parents so that they would know this is a bad place and we need to like get out of Dodge, right? We need to get out of there. And uh, it it was funny because this morning as I said this, I referred to the Sunday school teacher because she was here. And she was actually in the front row, and I actually married her daughter. So I had to apologize to her for that. But I very clearly remember that day when I did that. I was like, I am going to get out of this some way, somehow. The thing is, a few more years went by, and my parents did not get over this church thing. They didn't. They didn't get over this church thing, and I didn't get it. I was like, what do you see in this? I don't understand it. Then I was 11, they started sending me to youth group. All of these things forced. I didn't want to go to any of it. Started sending me to youth group. And again, I love sports. I went to a youth group that there was lots of energy, and they clearly liked being around each other. 
And they were, they were really nice. In fact, the person that welcomed you this morning was someone who was one of the best welcomers there. Such a welcoming face. And that's Jessica. It was Jessica Spence then. Jessica Blay now. I remember they were welcoming and they were nice. But these were not my people and I knew it. See, what they did for fun was music and sing and drama. And those were lame. I was like, I just don't get this stuff. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Then I entered high school. I'm in grade nine. And grade nine for many teens is where things get real, isn't it? It's where things get real. You have to make real decisions that can have real consequences. And I remember in grade nine, I I didn't get in a crowd that was doing all this crazy stuff, but I was slowly, slowly drifting. Even though I'd said a prayer when I was seven or eight, I was slowly drifting away from those roots. I wasn't anywhere close to them, really. It felt like I lived in two totally different worlds. Not that my personality so much changed, but it just felt like two different worlds. And and I just remember that being exhausting. And and I was always really shy and a little bit socially awkward. Sports were the way I connected to people. That's all my friends were sports people. That's how I connected. And I couldn't find them at church. And I just wasn't connecting. Just wasn't connecting. Towards the end of grade nine is when something happened, something that completely changed the entire direction of my life. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. My name's Todd, if you don't know me. I'm the Connections Pastor at Pathway Church, and I um, am so glad to be able to speak with you this morning. Um, We are in the middle of a series in the book of Galatians. Pastor Nathan has done the first seven weeks of this series. If you have ever read through certain books of the Bible, and Galatians is probably one of them, and you read through it and you gloss over 60% of the stuff because it's kind of confusing, I would highly encourage you to watch these messages because Nathan has done such a great job of helping it come alive and helping it make so much sense. Now again, I, I said this is a book, but this is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Galatia. Now, Galatia was a province. There was actually multiple towns and multiple churches within Galatia. The thing that's unique about this is it is just very shortly after Paul had planted those churches, and we're talking approximately, give or take a few years, like approximately 20 years after Jesus himself had walked this earth. So this whole new Christianity, this the way, was all very fresh, very new. And this letter, if you've been following through in the series, this starts with with Paul defending himself, which is kind of weird. He's defending himself, defending himself as an apostle, and he's defending the gospel that he preached to the people of Galatia. But there's something that stands out to me. There's something that stands out about this letter that seems different than a lot of things that I read in Scripture, and that this letter is intensely personal. It's very personal. And you can see it in the tone. You can see it in what's there. It was personal because Paul himself planted these churches. It was just a few years before. You can actually read about it in Acts 13 and 14. And there was a lot of highs and there was a lot of lows. It was a really tough, tough thing that Paul had to do. But he planted these churches. But since he'd planted them, there's this group that, again, Nathan has talked about throughout the series called the Judaizers. And they had come in. And they were leading the people of Galatia away. And this was so frustrating to Paul. He had poured so much into this. And now it was 
all seemingly take, being taken away. And that's why this letter seems really blunt, because it is. It's very direct. And it almost seems, I try and get a picture of what Paul looked like writing this, and I feel like he was like a frustrated parent, right? A frustrated parent. In fact, one of the verses we're going to read today, he actually refers to them as his little children, and he's not making fun of them. He's referring them to little children as a term of endearment because he cared for them so much. But I don't know about you, but sometimes kids can cause frustration, right? My kids are all in the front row over here, so this is kind of fun. But sometimes they can cause frustration. Like if you say, hey, the stove is hot. Don't touch the stove. One out of four is going to touch the stove. It's just science. It's going to happen. And you're going to end up in a hospital, and everyone's frustrated when you're waiting in a hospital, and it's just not a lot of fun. Now, we've had, for the past few years, we've had a rink in our front yard. And you're like, that's weird. Why do you have it in your front yard? Yes, it is weird, but it's the only flat piece of property we could find. So we have this pretty good-sized rink, and we have nets on either side. On one end, where the net is, it's just lawn behind it. It's our lawn and then our neighbor's lawn. No problem. On the other side, you're going to pick up some potential issues here, is our driveway. Like maybe eight feet from the end is our driveway. So our kids, we love doing this. We love that our kids are outside all the time and playing together and fighting with each other, but whatever. They're playing outside and having fun most of the time. But we had one rule for this rink. One rule. The one rule was, you go this way, shoot high, pick corners, go bar down, because that's fun. You love to hear that ting, and then it goes in. It's fantastic, right? Do that. Other side, keep the puck on the ice, please. Please keep the puck on the ice. I can remember the evening I was sitting on the couch in our living room and I was, can't remember if I was on my phone or reading a book or just chatting with Caroline, I can't remember exactly, and I heard a noise and it wasn't a smashing noise or a banging noise, this noise was steel on concrete. I was like, what is going on? Till I realized Dawson was sprinting up the stairs and he opened the door and his face was really white. And immediately I'm like, oh no, he's hurt. He's like cut himself or something like, he's good at cutting himself sometimes. And we've had a few hospital trips with that one. But I'm just thinking, what's wrong? Are you okay? Do you know what he said to me? He said, dad, I just shot one puck. (laughs) It was just, I just did it once, dad. And you can guess what happened. The side, rear side of our van, it shattered and it shattered good. And I can tell you from experience that cleaning up shattered glass in snowbanks and an icy driveway stinks. It is not fun at all. And it is frustrating. And as we read this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians, you feel like he is cleaning up shattered glass. You can sense the frustration as he is writing this. At the very beginning, in week one when Nathan was doing this series, in Galatians 1.6, He said he's astonished, strong word, he's astonished that they've been led astray so easily. In Galatians 3, he says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He's frustrated. Yes, even Paul the apostle got frustrated. Why was he so frustrated? Because he wasn't just passing on information. He was so passionate about this message, and he was so passionate about these people. He had so much passion behind it. And have you noticed that? That sometimes passion and frustration can go together. And that often happens in our relationships with each other, doesn't it? 
When things get personal, it has the potential to get messy, doesn't it? It can get ugly when things get personal, and sometimes it makes us just want to just abandon all hope in that relationship. Maybe we have concluded, and maybe some of you sitting here today, this morning, maybe you have concluded that people are just jerks, and you don't want anything to do with them. And if I asked people to raise their hands, you probably wouldn't, because that would be weird with a bunch of people. But some of us have subconsciously decided people are just jerks. It's from that time that you heard that juicy bit of gossip from multiple sources, and then realized it was about you. That's a kick in the teeth. What about the time you're looking on Facebook and you see that, oh, cool, two of my friends went bowling. I wonder where they went. Then you scroll to the next, oh, three of my friends went bowling. They go to the next, four, four, but I'm here. And then you go to the last picture. It's like, oh, no, the annoying guy got invited. And they are all bowling, and I didn't even get an invite to this. This is my group. This is my crew. And you're just like, oh, that hurts, doesn't it? That stings. That is when the expectations in our relationships get shattered like the glass in that van. And then we're just like, where do we go from here? This is so absolutely frustrating. And I feel like Paul felt very similar, but he refused to abandon them. Because what do we do, right? Something like that happens, and we want to just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm moving far away to a place like this. I think I have a picture here. There we go. I'm moving there. That way, nobody can hurt me there. Of course, most of us wouldn't last three days there once we realize that there's no internet in that shack and the first storm that we have to go through. But all the same, we, we tend to want to run away. We want to isolate ourselves. But Paul didn't do that. He could have, he already planted these churches. He could have just walked away thinking, you know what, I did my part. But he wouldn't abandon them, which is why he wrote this letter. It is intensely personal. This is not just doctrine. This is really, really personal, and it is throughout the letter, and it is so much. The passage that I'm going to read right now is so, so personal. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Galatians 4. If not, the words will be up on the screen. And we're going to start where uh, Pastor Nathan left off last week. We'll start in verse 8. And it says, "'Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's.'" But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want, uh, want to be once more? Again, you can pick up the frustration in Paul's voice. He's like, I preached to you a gospel that will bring freedom, but you're choosing slavery over that. Why? He continues, you observe days and months and seasons and years I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. There's actually another translation that says, I poured so much into you and it is gone in a puff of smoke. Verse 12, brothers, I entreat you. And I'll stop there for one second. How many people have used the word entreat in common conversation? And the danger, and this is real, like the danger is we read the Bible and we see a word that we kind of, sort of might know what it means but we don't really, so we just skim over it, right? We, we wait for the good stuff. But I think there's so much we can learn from some of these words. And entreat, it's actually a really passionate word. It means to beg. It's to get down on your hands and knees and beg someone. And this is the tone that Paul is trying to express through this letter. Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. 
You know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So what Paul's doing here is he had a relationship with these people. He didn't, just didn't swing by for a weekend crusade. He lived with them for a period of time. He got to know them. He got to know their hearts. And, and clearly they're being deceived here. He is trying to draw back on that relationship that they had. He's trying to pull on that relationship they had, remind them of how they felt about him. When he was there, they had to take a lot of care. They had to spend a lot of time to take care of him. They have that disgusting reference about gouging out your eyes. And that's a little more serious than giving blood. But gouging out your eyes. He's saying, you guys loved me. And I loved you. What has happened to this relationship? We see in verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? How often have we done that before Turn people that are friends into enemies when we hear truth. They make much of you, and this is referring to the Judaizers, the group that came to them to deceive them, to tell them Jesus was not enough. In fact, you still have to follow all these rules. They were trying to enslave them. And 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you. And here it is. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed by you. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, you can sense the frustration, but you can also sense the love that Paul had for these people. And the reason is there is power in relationship. There is power in relationship. After Paul defends himself and defends the gospel and all of that stuff, and it's all really important, the thing that he tries to pull it all together before he gets really practical in the last part of the letter is he's trying to pull on that relationship so they can see that that relationship was so important. Paul's personal plea It changes the book from just defense of what he taught them into something intensely personal. He's saying, hey guys, it's me. It's me, Paul, the one that when I came to you, I needed your help so bad and you gave it to me because you felt those things towards me. And so often we can be frustrated with our kids and I can see how Paul is frustrated with the Galatians because they're simply not seeing this. If I wanted or you wanted to be a better parent. There are numerous ways we can try and do this. One of the ways is, of course, we can open up our browser, our phone, and we can go to Google and put, how to be a better dad. And you know what? You're going to get lots of results. Some of them are really good. A lot of them are probably mediocre. And then there's going to be a lot that are garbage. You're going to get those, and you're going to get a lot of information that way. But can I suggest that there is a better way? There is a better way. So Henry, who's doing the media right now, he's putting the words and the slides and doing such a fantastic job doing that. I've known Henry for, I think, five or six years now, ever since they started coming to this church. 
The first year they were at Pathway Church, they were in our life group. And there were some things that were said, and I can't even remember at this point if it was personal conversation or to our life group as a whole. There was some wisdom that I was able to glean from Henry and Lorraine about raising kids. And one of the really important things, and we, we started doing this right after, was every single morning before school, we pray with our kids, we pray for people in this church, we pray for you, and we do a devotion as a family. This is an absolute staple in my family. That came from a conversation with Henry. Just over a month ago, and I've talked to Henry lots of times in between these two periods, and, and I always enjoy our conversation, but it's interesting how God uses people to give you wisdom when you need it. Just a few weeks ago, Henry and I went to an elders meeting. We're both on the uh, board of elders at Pathway Church. And uh, Henry and I got there first. We also got there last because no one else showed up. So <laughs> Henry and I got to have breakfast together, and it was so good. We got to talk about life and family and some things going on in his life and my life. And then there was a part of the conversation um, that we started talking just about teenagers and how we communicate with them and, and, and all those things that to me are so valuable right now because I need to learn from someone like Henry. Because the thing is, Google has a lot of information. You could say Google has a lot of knowledge. Henry probably doesn't have quite as much knowledge. He has more than most of us, but not as much as Google. But the thing is, Henry has experience. But the big difference is I know Henry. I know him as a man and I trust Henry. That changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything. When you hear something from someone you know and trust, it means more. Why? Because there is power in relationship. And this is what Paul is urging the Galatians. He's like, he's trying to remind them of the relationship they had because he knows that there is power in relationship. You know what? A true friend, a true friend wants something for you, but a fake friend or a fraud wants something from you. A true friend will want something for you. A fake friend will want something from you. Paul knew that his motives were good. He knew that his motives were good towards the Galatians, but he also knew that the Judaizers, their motives were not good. They wanted to take something from the Galatian people. They wanted to take the very gospel of Jesus Christ away from them. And Paul wanted something for them. And I'm going to read verse 17 again, and I'm going to read it this time in a different translation that it might just hit you a little bit different. So verse 17 in the message says, those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you, but their motives are rotten. They want to shut you out of the free world of God's grace so that you, uh, so that you will always depend on them for approval and direction, making them feel important. So the Judaizers, they wanted something from them. They wanted them to be slaves. And Paul is counting on the relationship to bring the people of Galatia back and not fall for what the, the Judaizers was, were saying to them. And there are a lot of reasons that we need relationships in our lives because there is power in relationships. But I see three pretty clearly in, in just these verses that we've read with Paul. The first one is that we need to have people on our team. We need to have people that love us because life is a team sport. I'm pretty sure most of you have heard the name Connor McDavid before. If you have not heard of Connor McDavid, he's a really good hockey player. He is an excellent hockey player, maybe the best in the world. 
Guess which team he is playing in the playoffs right now. He is playing nobody. He's golfing somewhere, which is also fun, but he would rather be in the playoffs right now. He is not in the playoffs because he's a really good player. There's a couple other good players, but then the rest of his team stinks. It just doesn't work. Your team doesn't win when you're the only good player. And at the end of the day, that means you lose. That's the same in life. We need people around us. Do you know this week, on Wednesday, we didn't have a baby this week. Nobody passed away in our family. Nobody had surgery. No big catastrophe happened in our family. But due to a few different circumstances and schedules, uh, we had a really busy, crazy week. And there's a family from this church that brought us dinner on Wednesday. And that's really a really small thing, but it was actually a really huge thing because it reminds you that you have people on your team. And I remember we felt so awesome when they brought that. It's just such a tiny thing, but we need people on our team. And I know there's been times in life where I wouldn't let people on my team and I wouldn't allow them to bring me that meal. I'm like, no, no, we can figure it out. You don't have to do that. But isn't it so awesome that God brings those people around you to help you out? on those hard days. The second thing we can learn about relationships is that motives matter, but very often we can only see motives clearly in the context of relationship. Here's the thing. There's certain professions that some people just don't trust. In fact, most people don't trust. And I could ask you to name a few, and you could probably do it really quickly. One of those professions might be auto mechanics. There's probably a lot of you in here that don't trust them and have had bad experiences with them. Maybe you watched the thing a few years ago on Marketplace that showed them scamming everybody on filters and all these different things, people that didn't know anything about cars. But you know what? There's not been one second of my entire life that I have thought that mechanics are crooks. Do you want to know why? Yeah, and some of you know this. My dad is an auto mechanic. I know that he doesn't want something from me. He wants something for me. I know that he is on my team and on my side. I know that his motives are good. But it's because of that relationship, the power that is in that relationship. And this is why Paul is warning the Galatians. He's like, you don't see the motives of these Judaizers. You're not seeing them clearly. But we can see these things in the context of relationship. The third thing. The third reason that relationships are so important is it provides fertile ground for us to receive truth. Because we all have blind spots, don't we? We all have blind spots. We all have the areas that we are missing it right now. We need people in our life that can speak to us in that. You know what? Like if, if I'm doing something really wrong and Carolyn comes up to me or one of my kids comes up to me, even if I'm frustrated at first, I am much more likely to hear that truth and to grow from it. If some random person or someone I barely met comes to me like after service day, I'm like, man, I'm glad Nathan's back next week. You're terrible. I'm probably not going to take that too much to heart because there's not a whole lot of relationship. It means so much more when we're in relationship with people. But the thing is, relationship's a two-way street, right? And you're not going to be in relationship with everyone, and, and that's not the intention. And some of us will be in relationship with a lot of people, have lots of friends. Some of us, it'll just be a couple friends. But it's still important, and it's important that we do our part. And there's a few ways that we can do this. 
The first one is to ask ourselves a question that Andy Stanley has been asking in messages a lot recently. It's in his book, and even if you don't like the latest book he wrote, you can take this sentence, and it's actually really helpful, and it's the question, what does love require of me? If in every relationship that we have, the really close ones and even the ones that are a bit further away, if we ask the question, what does love require of me in this situation? What does love require of me? And that's what Paul did. See, Paul could have, he, he could have just said, you know what, forget you guys. I already brought you the gospel and you're being dumb and going a different way. I'm going to wipe my hands of you. I'm done. But he didn't. He didn't do that because love required something more of him. And that's where we get this letter that he wrote. The second one is to test our own motives. It's awesome to pick at other people's motives, isn't it? It's so easy. We can see that. But what about our motives? If we want healthy relationships, we need to check our own motives. There was a podcast um, by Kerry Newhoff uh, this week, and he was interviewing someone on leadership. And just a little snippet of that conversation had to do with feedback and criticism. Feedback and criticism. The information can be really similar, but he talked about how the motives are so, so different. See, because if you're trying to criticize someone, You're giving them that information in order to stop them from where they're going. You do not want to see them succeed. Whether it's because you're jealous or another reason, you don't want to see them succeed. Feedback, on the other hand, is when we are coaching someone. Maybe there's a bit of information they just don't know, and we want to help them have that information because we want them to succeed. Again, we can't really see that in the people around us, but we can see it in us. But it takes some time to slow down and think, but what are my motives? I'm going to challenge this person. What are my motives? I'm going to offer help. What are my motives? I think it's a great question to be constantly asking ourselves. The third one would be listen to truth. We talked about the other side of that. But if we were the people that lived in one of these towns in Galatia, how would we have received that truth? I think it's so important that instead of getting defensive really quickly, that we will receive truth that comes from other people. And some people will say stuff and maybe it's not true. We can wrestle with that. But I think we need to slow down and consider it. And the last one would be to give relationship a chance. There is tremendous power in relationship. There is. There's so much power in relationship. But if we've been hurt, if we've been frustrated, if if our expectations have been shattered, it's so easy to go to that little cabin we showed, right? Just decide, I'm going to live life on my own. I'm going to be like a lone wolf Christian, or I'm just going to be a lone wolf altogether. And that comes from frustrations in our past. And maybe you have vowed off people. You've just decided, I will never talk to them again. Can I make a suggestion to you? Not every relationship, you're not going to be able to mend everything. But there is a series uh, that Pastor Nathan did about a year and a half ago, I believe. And it's on our website. You can go check it out. It's called Mending Fences. Honestly, we need relationships in our life. And if there's some important ones that have been broken, I would highly encourage you to watch this series. I think it's three parts. And it is so, so good. Again, what would have happened if Paul would have just vowed them? Just like, you know what? Forget you guys. We can't do that in our life because relationships have power. So as I close, I'll finish my story that I started with. So towards the end of grade nine, the thing that changed, the thing that completely changed my life, the whole direction of my life. And when I say that, I mean my entire life was that things got personal. Things got personal. 
I started opening myself up to listen to the words that were being preached and sung about. I started opening up my heart to the possibility that God does hear my prayers. Like, not just thinking that, but actually believing maybe God does hear my prayers. You know what else I started doing? I started purposely connecting with a group of guys that went to that youth group. They're a bit older than me, but I found some guys who liked sports. It was awesome. And they liked basketball, which wasn't my first choice, but I found some guys that liked sports, and I started connecting with them. And you know what the amazing thing that happened when I started striking up those friendships and we got to know each other? The amazing thing happened that they were such an influence on my life. In fact, multiple of those guys that I used to play basketball with when I didn't really know anyone in that group ended up being pastors themselves. See, God will work through you. He'll work through the people that you are in relationship with. But something started to happen on the inside of me at that time. I started to understand to a different level than I ever had before the love of Jesus. I began to understand it for myself, not because my parents knew it, not because I went to church. I began to understand the love of Jesus. And I started trying to read my Bible, and I knew I wasn't doing it right or in the right order. I was just picking spots all over. But you know what? God spoke to me through those times. I remember spending time in prayer, increasing amounts of prayer, even when I was like, God, I I don't even know if you're hearing this or you're going to answer this. But I started doing that. It became very, very personal to me. Very soon in that same youth ministry that I once avoided, my parents made me go to, I joined the student leadership team there. And get this, when I was 15, I went on a three-week tour out west with this youth group. And guess what we did? Music and drama. (laughs) Yeah, music and drama. Did I like it now? No, I still didn't like it. But it had changed. The reason for doing it had changed because the whole thing was personal to me now. It completely changed my motivation for everything that I did. There is power in relationship. God has designed us to be in relationship with Him. And God has designed us to be in relationship with each other. There's power in relationship. Many of you know this, but today is Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem to a bunch of fans, a bunch of people that were so exciting, waving palm branches, laying down cloaks on the road before him, saying, we will follow you anywhere. We will follow you. A couple problems with that. Number one, they thought they were following him to overtake this Roman government, to get their city back. They thought this was going to be a battle. Think William Wallace. That's what they were thinking this is going to be. That wasn't it. That wasn't what love required of Jesus that day. See, Jesus wanted to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He was not taking anything from us. He wanted to do something for us. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just conquer the city and then do all that stuff? Why did he do this? He did it so it could get personal. He paid a price on a cross so it could get personal. Because he understood that there is power in relationship. So he created a way that we could be in relationship again with Father God through his sacrifice. And it's not just being connected to Father God. It's being connected to his body, which are here. This is an important piece. The people around here will help you. And God will work through them so often. And we we disregard that sometimes. He paved the way that we could be in the relationship that mattered. 
Maybe your story is very similar to mine. Most likely it's different, either really different or at least a little bit different. But you know what? God knows your story where you're at right now and he wants it to become personal. He wants to get to know you. He wants to spend time with you because there is power in relationship. To get connected to the people in here, there are are numerous ways from ways through the church, like joining a life group in the fall or a starting point group, which we're starting in a few weeks. You can start serving on a team. It's a fantastic way to get to know um, other guys, other ladies. We've done it uh, this morning. Our setup team is such a tight-knit group. This morning, we spent some awesome time together. And these are good things. These are really good things to get connected, but it doesn't have to be just through church. It can mean talking to someone after service today when you'd normally just run out. And maybe it means inviting someone over for dinner, getting to know them a little bit better because there is power in relationship. But also in your walk with God, I would encourage you to take steps of faith, steps into the unknown. Take that chance to read scripture and apply it to your life and just see if it works. Take that chance to pray, maybe for the first time. And you might think, I'm just a crazy person talking to myself. But no, I can assure you that God hears your prayer and he wants to be in relationship with you because there is so much power in relationship. Can I pray? Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.